There are some great themes in the Bible. Can you say amen? amen? Now, if your memory is better than mine, a few weeks ago, we looked at one, and that's the way that God wants to bless us in limited or unlimited ways. Unlimited ways. You may transport yourself back to that message uh, just momentarily. And then we looked at a second in this uh, sort of mini-series, Friends of Jesus. You may, you may remember the anointing of Jesus. And today is David's story in Heart Matters. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you rather experience life with all of its joys and all of its difficulties firsthand? Or would you rather learn from other people's lessons? Hmm. The older I get, the greater appreciation I have for learning from other people's lives' experiences. It's far easier, isn't it? Well, David's story, Heart Matters. Let's see if technology works here today. Uh, David's story starts out in the book of Acts. We're going to actually go to the end and read the last chapter, and then we're going to go back. You ever do that in a book? Do you want to find out what the end is? Well, there's a, there's a second reason for doing this, and as the story develops, you'll find out why very quickly. Acts chapter 13, verses 21 through 23. And afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Seus, a, a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed them, he raised up unto them David, to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Wow! It's an amazing statement in Scripture. All that it might be recorded of us one day. Mary, Andy, Julie, Michael, a person after my own heart. We can just have the benediction and go home and ponder that thought. When I read that in scripture, I said, well, there's more here than what meets the eye in this single verse. How is it? that this person lived in such a way that it might be recorded of him that he is a person after my own heart, being God's own heart, which shall fulfill in me, uh, fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed, God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. So not only was David a person after God's own heart, but Jesus would be born of his lineage. If there's anyone in the Bible you might want to study, it would be 
David. You with me so far? All right, so early in his life, we're going to look at just a couple of places in David's life today. David wrote uh, of his experience early in his life as he was a shepherd. He wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He knew early in life what it was like to have a close relationship as he tended the sheep. He thought of how God cared for him. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You, God, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and what? Mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for how long? Forever. And we can say that psalm, one of the most famous psalms in all of Scripture, and it brings us such courage and such hope as we rely on the Lord. Amen? And what a beautiful picture it portrays of God's caring for us. And David, in his early life, knew what it was to be a shepherd and God's tender mercies being bestowed upon him. Psalm 13, verse 5, But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. And David had a close, intimate relationship with his heavenly Father. And it felt so strong Are you with me? That's the type of relationship I want with my God today. How about you, friends? How about you, friends? Well, that was David in chapter 1. David in chapter 2 is not quite the same David in chapter 1. So we go to chapter 2 in David's life. And we find, we find a journey that's perplexing, at least on its surface. Because we have the historical recording of David relying upon God, trusting in God, and going so off the rails, if I can use a colloquialism of the day. But isn't life that way sometimes? Something happens out of the blue, and pretty soon that which you would have never predicted happening in your life, you find yourself in a spot, in an area you had never intended to go. So let's camp there for just a moment or two that we might learn from the story of David that we might avoid such an experience. In 2 Samuel, Chapter 11, follow along as I share with you uh, the story. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when the kings go forth to battle. Now David is king. He said unto Joab and his servants with him, and all of Israel, and they that destroy uh, the children of Ammon and besiege Rebbe 
and David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the evening that David arose off of his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, David is nighttime, in the cool of the evening, he ascends to the top of his palace where he can overlook his kingdom. I mean, he's at top of his game. He has the entire kingdom to rule, from a shepherd boy to the king of Israel. He saw there a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Interesting for just a moment. The eyes that God gave him. He looks upon her and something stirs in his heart. And David sent and inquired of the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David's eyes looked upon her. And he said, I want her knowing full well it was not in God's plan. And isn't that the way that sin works in our life? Sometimes it's just a glance. Sometimes it's just a thought. Sometimes it's just a fleeting temptation. But we linger there. We look there and we think there. Hmm. Just this once. I've got everything except. I've yielded all of my life and surely God would want me to have this. And he inquired, who is this woman? And David sent his messengers and took her. And she came into his palace and spent the night and she returned unto her own house. And the scripture records that she conceived the child and said to David, I am with your child. And David said to Joab, saying, Send me her husband, Uriah the Hittite. And Jacob sent unto Uriah, and, and, ja and Jab sent Uriah, Jabah sent Uriah unto David, as he was instructed. And when Uriah, her husband, was come to David, David demanded of Uriah, how did Joab do? And how did the people? And how's the war? And how are you prospering? And David said to Uriah, go home to your house, wash your feet. And Uriah departed out of the king's house. And there followed him a mess of meat from the king. Go home and have a feast. Spend a few days. Take a little R&R &R from the battle and be with your wife. But Uriah didn't do that. You know the story well. Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord and went not down to his own house. David had a plan to cover up his sin. Isn't that the way sin works? Wait a minute. I made a mistake. No, I sinned. And now I've got to cover it up. And when they told David, saying that Uriah did not, go to, did not go to his house, David said unto Uriah, Comest thou not from thy journey? Why didn't you go down to your own house? And Uriah, Uriah the faithful servant, said unto David, The ark of Israel and Judah abide in the tents, 
And my Lord jailed and the servants of my Lord are all encamped about the fields. How shall I then go to my own house to eat and drink and to be with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul liveth, I will not do this thing. I am so in tune with what's going on and serving you and the Lord, I want to sacrifice as my fellow soldiers are in battle. And David said to Uriah, tarry here this day, and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David called him, he did eat, and he drank before him, and he made him drunk, and at Eden he sent him out to lie with his bed of servants of his Lord. And he went not down to his own house, and it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And you know the letter, saying, Set Uriah at the forefront of the hottest of the battle and retire from him that he might be smitten and die. Wow! Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. How did the shepherd boy go to being king of Israel, being blessed of God, taking just, just a glance and saying, just this once. Going from sinning to covering it up. One sin leads to another. Do you believe that, friend? When you go off the rails, when it happens, just hit the stop button. What we often do, though, is figure it out. How can I justify it? How can I explain it? How can I spin it? How can I put it in different words? How can I make it politically correct? Here's how you do it. You just call it by its right name. It's sin, and God doesn't want me to do it. And hit the stop button. And it came to pass, though, in David's life in the morning that David wrote the letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah and explained that as the battle progressed, he was to pull the troops back. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he assigned Uriah onto a place where he knew the valiant men were. And the men fought the men of the city went out and fought with Joab, and there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent the message back to King David, all things concerning the war. And he charged a messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of the matters of the war unto the king, and if it be so that the king's wrath arise, and he say unto thee, Wherefore approach ye so nigh unto the city, when ye did fight, knew you not that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerobeseth? Did not a woman cast a piece of the millstone from him, from the wall that he died in Thesbeth? Why, when you went unto the wall, then saith thou, the servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also? So the messenger came to David. And came and showed David all that Joab had sent for him. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us, and it came out onto the field, and we were 
upon them, even unto the gate. And the shooters shot from far off the wall, and some of the king's servants be dead, and thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt, it, uh, thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as another, make the battle more strong against the city, and overthrow it, and encourage him. And then, and when Uriah the Hittite heard, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her, and she became his wife and bare a son. Now go back with me to the passage in Acts. The one chosen of God. Please God. This is one of the saddest texts in Scripture. But the thing that David had done displeased God. What a striking difference between the end and where he is now. But we've got to camp there for just a little bit. Because it may be true in your life as it is in mine. Sometimes I feel so close to God as if nothing could separate me only to find myself looking away and finding myself so far away from Him. So let's see what happens next. David realizes his sin and confesses his sin to God if you have your Bibles, open them to Psalm 51. Because in Psalm 51, I believe is a progression that calls us into a closer relationship with God, written by David. David pleads in Psalm 51, Have mercy, O God, unto thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy mercies. Blot out my transgressions. He acknowledged his sin. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I've acknowledged my transgressions. My sin is forever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in my iniquity and in sin did my mother Conceive me, behold, thou desirest truth in thy inward parts and in thy hidden part. You make me to know thy wisdom. And then he pleads, I'm acknowledging my transgressions. And he says, purge me with this hop. Wash me and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than what? Whiter than snow. Karen and I were driving one day from uh, Grand Junction to Denver, Colorado. 
It had snowed 12 inches. There was nobody on the roads. All the highways were closed. DIA was closed for a week. We went through Grand Junction, and I said, don't worry about it, dear. If they keep anything open, it will be the interstate. And sure enough, it was about 8 o'clock in the morning. We went through Grand Junction and started out uh, going towards Glenwood. And I tell you, it was an amazing sight. There wasn't anything dirty on the mountainside. The only tracks were on the interstate and everything was pure white. Have you ever seen a field like that? Oh, that our lives might be cleansed. Oh, that our lives and sins might be forgiven. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and the gladness that the bones which thou hast broken might rejoice. I like the imagery. You know, sometimes, for those of you that are <clears throat> a few years, you wake up in the morning and the bones are kind of creaking and it's an aspirin or two to get you going. And about 10 o'clock, they kind of feel, make those bones which I was broken. Make the bones, spiritual bones of your soul, which are broken by sin, shattered relationships. May they be healed. May they be restored. May your soul be made clean. May your sins be forgiven, that the bones might rejoice. Can you say amen? amen. It's at that time that we plead with God, hide not thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Restore, O God. Restore unto me the joy of salvation. Uphold me with thy free spirit. Have you ever been there like David was? Have you ever been there at 2 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, when you wonder, why in the world did I do that? And for sometimes, it's really going off the rails in big ways. And sometimes, it's going off the rail in little ways, isn't it? It's that unkind word, that act of vengeance that getting evil, that unforgiving heart. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Then what's going to happen in your life? What's going to happen with the people of God? And David says, it's then, Father, after you've cleansed me, after you've restored the joy of, my, of your salvation in my life, I will share it with others. Te yeah. Then I will teach transgressors thy way that sinners shall be converted unto thee. Not before, not before, not before you experience that personal forgiveness. Do you have much to share with somebody else? Because they can observe your life better than they can hear your speech. Then will I teach transgressors thy way, and sinners shall be converted. Deliver me from the blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, that my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Now David, now David is returning. Now David is being restored. 
Now David is the restored David. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth that I shall show forth your praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in the burnt offering, the sacrifices of God. That you want God, I know what they are. And they're a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy pleasure unto Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. I know, God, you are a loving God, and you will never forsake me. You experience that, friends? The good news is, then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness and burnt offerings and the whole burnt offering. Then shalt thou build, then shalt, then shalt thou offer bullocks upon thy altar. The problem is, we look back and we see David, the shepherd boy. We see David as the king. We see the fall of David and we see the restoration of David. The problem is, we look back and we say, that was David, but I haven't sinned like him. I haven't done that experience. Thank God if you haven't. But Romans says, for all, Romans 3.23 says, for all have what? Sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we have to ask ourselves the question, how does it work? How many? All. That means the person next to you on your left, the person on your right, in front of you, behind you, and it means me, and it means you. For sin isn't measured in degrees. Oh, that was just a little one. That was a traffic ticket. Traffic tickets are not sin, but... Not. <laughs> <laughs> At least I know you're listening. <laughs> traffic tickets are, are not necessarily a sin, but on a ranking, it's not a felony either. <laughs> so we have sin in God's sight as being unrighteous and sinfulness needs to be put away in our lives. But we're powerless to do that. Romans 5.12 says, Whereas by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed to all men, for that all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But by one man, Jesus Christ, came righteousness to this world. In fact, it started in Genesis, or very early on. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only, what does it say? Evil. Evil, how often? Continually. Continually, I might add, of men and women. <laughs> Continually. Man, that's not a very good representation of the way that we love God. Jeremiah said, warns us in 17.9, the heart is deceitfully wicked deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? Proverbs says the heart of the, uh, that devises wicked imaginations and feet that are swift in running to mischief and sin. Not a very pleasant view of the state of the sinful heart today, is it? So what can we learn 
from the story of David. David's story is our story. David's heart is our heart. Desperately wicked at times. But he pled with the Lord. Lord, forgive my sins. Wash me. Purify my life. Create in me a clean heart. Give me your spirit. Let me walk with you. A life that started so close as the shepherd boy wandered so far away as king of Israel ends so well. So let me ask you, could acts be said of you in your life today? And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave their testimony and said, I have found, put your name in here, not David, but Sue, Alan, Jack, John, Tim, Clayton. I have found my son, my daughter, the son of Jesse, a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, a child, an older person, a person after my own heart, which shall fulfill all of my will. What an amazing thing that God invites us to learn of the story of David, that that story may not only be David's story, but that story may be our story today. Let us pray. Father, as we have spent time reflecting, Lord, on the grand story of David's life, Father, we realize that we have sinned against Thee and Thee only. But Father, You have promised through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that You will forgive our sins that you pursue us, that there's no place that we can go, there's no sin that you, can for, that you cannot forgive, there's no time, Father, that your Holy Spirit stops working upon us. So, Father, as we close our worship service today, some have come, all have come, needing that cleansing anew today. Father, fill us with your Spirit. Cleanse us, empower us, embolden us by your Spirit to live for you. That it might be said as it was said of David. These are my people. This is my child who is living for me. So, Father, bless us, we ask in Christ's precious name. Amen.